This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. And you're on right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. Bringing you the news behind the news, the story behind the story. Here to convince you that reality is usually scoffed at and conventional wisdom is often just an illusion. We're live on iHeartRadio, on demand on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. You can follow me on Twitter at RightNowJimDawes or shoot me an email at RightNowJimDawes at gmail.com or you can call the vent line and raise hell at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. So let's start today's program by taking stock, seeing where we are in this, uh, this pandemic. You know, I said way back in March that if we continued on the path we were on, that the cure was going to be worse than the disease. I had no idea how much worse it would be. This country has experienced uh, economic devastation. We've had deaths that were way higher than was necessary. We've got um, unrest and racial strife in our streets. The Democrats are busy destroying our faith in this upcoming election, and, and faith in elections is an absolute prerequisite for a representative government like ours. We've added trillions and trillions of dollars to the national debt. The, the fallout will not be felt for generations. And we have taught a, a whole generation of, of children, young adults, dependency on handouts and undermined their work ethic. And none of this was necessary. And I'm, I'm calling it a pandemic. I think all of this uh, was not by accident. Now you can argue whether or not the virus came to, or the virus rose in Wuhan, but there's very little doubt that the communist Chinese government weaponized this virus. When you look, they restricted internal travel from the Wuhan district while at the same time allowing hundreds of thousands of travelers to fly uh, to the United States and Western Europe. And, uh, and with the very predictable results, we had a, uh, a cheap and effective drug available early on in this crisis that, and I'm referring of course, to hydroxychloroquine and the azithromycin, the zinc. Uh, that the Democrats and the media were very successful in, uh, in discrediting. Now, they, they love to point to other nations where the death rate has not been as high as the United States. If you look at that chart, almost without exception, those countries that have a, a lower mortality rate than the United States were, in fact, 
treating patients with hydroxychloroquine and zinc. And even in, you know, countries, uh, I, I guess you would call them developed, I don't want to call them third world countries, but developing nations like India, they've had a lower death rate largely because they have, uh, they have used hydroxy and, and zinc early on in the course of this infection. But we've also had the, the scientists, the experts, convince this president and governors across this nation to shut down their economies, and that has wreaked absolute havoc on our economy. We went from having what could be argued as the best economy in our nation's history with the lowest unemployment, finally rising wages, record stock market that um, you know was benefiting people's retirement funds, to utter devastation. At the same time, we've seen the Democrats, this modern cultural Marxist Democrat party, stoke racial unrest by focusing on you know, a, a, an isolated interest incident of police brutality. And we've had our, uh, many of our major cities just, uh, totally destroyed by this Marxist black lives matter movement. And the, the Democrats, uh, Brown shirt, uh, stormtroopers, Antifa in city after city across this country. And right now, as we come into the home stretch of this election, uh, our faith in the outcome of that election is being undermined by these uh, these Democrat cheat by mail schemes. And you know, we're a strong country; we're a prosperous country. We've got solid foundations. But you wonder how much of this kind of purposeful political malpractice can this country withstand? I'm beginning to get more pessimistic by the day. If Joe Biden is uh, assumes the presidency, it's going to be a, a four-year-long weekend at Bernie. They're going to come in, you know, to the Oval Office and tell him what new radical left-wing program that he is going to present to Congress. And heaven forbid that we have a Democrat Senate and House of Representatives. The check on overreach political overreach has always been the filibuster. Well, they've already already let you know that one of the first things they're going to do if they take the House of Representatives or the, uh, the U.S. Senate, even by one vote, is to, to do away with the filibuster and jam through their radical agenda. Nancy Pelosi uh, couldn't wait until after the election. She tries, tried to use uh, this latest stimulus program to uh to spend another extra two trillion dollars rewarding her far left-wing constituents bailing out democrat states that have enacted these disastrous democrat prescriptions economic prescriptions and uh and making it impossible for the president to win re-election she actually had um, a cheat by mail provisions in there that um, that funded uh, this airdropping of ballots across the nation, so that the Democrats could engage in the same type of vote harvesting programs that they deployed in 2018 there in California. I've got a clip here. This is Senator Bill Cassidy of Louisiana 
talking about uh, Nancy Pelosi's attempt to hold this, I would call it a misbegotten stimulus bill, but she was trying to hold it hostage before the president issued his executive orders. The, the American people are hurting. Speaker Pelosi is using their pain to leverage her HEROES Act. Why do I say that? Republicans offered to continue the unemployment benefit while we continue to negotiate on every other issue. Ms. Pelosi said no. Let the unemployment run out, knowing that that would increase the pain, hoping to leverage her HEROES Act. HEROES Act, by the way, mentions marijuana more than it mentions jobs. The president cares. He's trying to get aid to the American people that Ms. Pelosi wants to deny. I approve it because we're about the American people. I hate that executive order. I hate that the president has uh, been forced to into this corner of uh, proposing an unconstitutional, and I believe it is unconstitutional, executive order in order to deliver this relief. But, you know, sometimes when you're a, when you're in a knife fight, you can't observe the Queensberry rules. And I think the president has outmaneuvered the Democrats on this. Now they're in a position to try to sue to stop the president's relief, while at the same time they continue to hold any relief hostage to their far-left agenda. And if you think I'm exaggerating the threat from these mail-in ballots in Virginia, there's a story now that uh, over a half a million ballots, <laughs> way more needed than uh, than way more than needed to affect an election have been uh, found out by the League of Women Voters and a retired FBI agent that uh, a far left-wing group was blanketing the state with absentee ballot applications sent to the wrong addresses, sent to people who were no longer on the voting rolls, sent to dead people, half a million. And these were, almost without exception, Democrat voters or mailed to homes and in, in Democrat strong Democrat districts. So their plan was, well, you know, this was an opportunity for these people to take these applications, send them in. And before you know it, they'd get an extra ballot in the mail or two or three or four. And it were, were it not for this retired FBI agent who alerted the league of women voters out there, this might have gone unreported. There's a case out of Atlanta where a woman received an absentee ballot application from one of these uh, type of shadowy groups for her dog. Now, she was a Democrat voter, but, uh, you know, she even was amazed because the dog that they were hoping to register to vote absentee had been dead for many years. Oh, it is going to be a crazy campaign season. I don't think we will know who won this election. Um, I, I don't, I don't know if we will know it before the end of 2020, because if the president has declared the winner, the Democrats are going to file lawsuit after lawsuit across this country. We're going to have, uh, Florida, uh, what was that in the year 2000? Yeah. In 2000, um, when uh, when Bush v. Gore uh, hinged on on this uh, voter fraud that they tried to implement in Broward County, Florida, and uh, Miami Dade, Florida, we're going to have that times 
20 or 30. And it's going to have the result of uh, undermining people's faith in this upcoming election. Hey, in the second half of the show, we're going to be joined by Vince Everett Ellison, and he's going to talk about Joe Biden uh, as the standard bearer for the Democrat Party in this age of Black Lives Matter. You're going to want to listen to that. Joe Biden is, you know, he's trying to rewrite history, but uh, Joe Biden in the 1970s was a, a successor to the Dixiecrats, and uh, he has practiced and trafficked in racial politics his entire life, despite the fact that he continues to make one racist statement after another. Yesterday, Joe Biden took to Twitter uh, and marked the sixth anniversary of the uh, the shooting of Michael Brown there in Ferguson, Missouri, and, uh, you know, put some language around it that uh, we have to strive for racial justice Ignoring entirely the fact that Michael Brown was, uh, had just committed a robbery when he was happened upon by Ferguson police officer, Darren Wilson, Michael Brown reached into his police car, tried to take his weapon away from him. And when officer Wilson, uh, got out of the car to take, uh, to give chase the 300, uh, pound six foot two, Michael Brown turned and rushed him. Joe Biden's own department of justice cleared Darren Wilson of any wrongdoing in that shooting. So did the Soros funded district attorney out there in St. Louis County, who was desperate to try to prosecute officer Wilson. But Joe Biden is uh, feeding right into this mythology of Michael Brown being some sort of black lives matter martyr when he was nothing of the sort. Hey, we got to run out to a break. Stick with us. We'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. So Joe Biden is trying to step up his game. They see that the Trump campaign is starting to, you know, shift into high gear. And uh, he can't actually give any in-person interviews. So his Twitter account has been quite active lately. And he's uh, taken the opportunity of Trump's executive orders suspending the payroll uh, tax to attack the president uh, and and try to say that he wants to undermine Social Security. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You talk about a fastball right out over the plate. That's what um, they used to refer to as high cheese because there is a long history of recorded statements of Joe Biden uh, offering to freeze and, uh, and, and weaken Social Security, including, by the way, suspending the payroll tax early on in the Obama administration. But here's a a little montage of Joe Biden's history when it comes to Social Security. If we should freeze federal spending, I meant Social Security as well. I meant Medicare and Medicaid. I meant veterans. I meant every single solitary thing in the government. And I not only tried it once, 
I tried it twice, I tried it the third time, and I tried it the fourth time. I'm one of those Democrats who voted for the constitutional amendment to balance the budget. I have introduced on four occasions, four occasions, entire plans to balance the budget, knowing I'm not president and I'm not the leader, but for illustrative purposes. I tried with Senator Grassley back in the 80s to freeze all government spending, including Social Security, including everything. Senator, we have a deficit. We have Social Security and Medicare looming. The number of people on Social Security and Medicare is now 40 million people. It's going to be 80 million in 15 years. Would you consider looking at those programs, age of eligibility, absolutely. cost of living, put it all on the table? The answer is absolutely you have to. <laughs> that clip actually goes on for another minute. Uh, why Joe Biden or whoever runs his Twitter account would, would think that it's a good idea to accuse Trump, who has kept all of his promises all of his campaign promises, and he promised that he would not weaken Social Security because he knows that uh, so many people are dependent on it. But you got Joe Biden right there tweeting out the, uh, an accusation against the president that he is guilty of as recently as 2007. <laughs> oh, my God. Joe Biden's expected today or later this week or maybe next week or the week after to finally let us know who his running mate is going to be. I guess he's actually waiting to hear himself, but an interesting thing happened overnight. Kamala Harris, who was, I guess you'd have to say she was the front runner to be his vice presidential candidate. Unfollowed him on Twitter. <laughs> That's uh that's sort of um, what you would expect a, a, a jilted girlfriend to do. But uh, he, he interviewed her last week, and apparently she was unwilling to kiss the ring and, and uh, declare her fidelity. I think Joe Biden wanted her to apologize for pointing out his long and documented history uh, on school busing. But uh, now the odds-on favorite, of course, is Susan Rice. So we're going to have Susan Rice on the ticket right at the same time when the Russia hoax, um, John Durham is starting to deliver his report and hopefully please God at long last deliver some indictments on this case. So we're going to be treated to the possibility that the Democrats vice presidential candidate uh, will be uh, subpoenaed by grand juries. And, uh, they're going to have a lot of questions for her about why she wrote that last minute email that was, an obvious and transparent attempt to try to cover the butts of the Obama administration while she was uh, walking out the door. I think she actually wrote that, that email to herself after the president had been sworn in. So we've had these uh, continuing riots, the most recent, of course, the riots and the looting and, uh, and the Miracle Mile, the loop in downtown Chicago, and, uh, you know, she very rarely says any anything that makes sense. But Lori Lightweight, the mayor of Chicago, pointed out that of the 5,000 arrests that were made during the looting and the rioting right after, right in the aftermath of the killing of George Floyd, that the Soros-funded prosecutor in Cook County there, Kim Fox, uh, released most of them without charges. She dropped the charges and pointed the finger right at the 
at the uh, prosecutor's office. Now, I'm not, you know, uh, releasing Lightfoot from her obvious responsibility in all of this. She has uh, refused federal help and federal law enforcement resources in order to get a handle on this. But Kim Fox is is really uh, the one that would have to be held to blame. I'm looking for this clip that I have misplaced here. Here is uh, here is Lori Lightfoot uh, blaming Kim Fox for the mess. We are already at work in finding you, and we intend to hold you accountable for your actions. I don't care. I do not care. Whatever justification was given for this, there is no justification. Well, she's finally starting to say the right things, but uh, the Chicago police officers can arrest people as hard as they want to. If Kim Fox continues to turn them back out on the street like she did in the first round of rioting and like she did with Jesse Smollett, that clip I was looking for was her saying that she didn't have sufficient evidence to make a case against all of these rioters that she released after the first round of rioting. This is the same uh, Kim Fox that said they didn't have sufficient evidence to prosecute Jeff, Jesse Smollett when <laughs> they had video, they had witnesses, they had evidence. I mean, it was an open and shut case. She dropped the charges. And this is, you know, the uh, the George Soros criminal justice reform agenda that you see in action in so many cities across this country. 2,500 felony charges she dropped from that first round of rioting. There's a Republican candidate running against her in the upcoming election named uh, Pat O'Brien, and he pointed out her history on this. People who were arrested on looting and uh, batteries, police officers appeared in court. She had her assistant state's attorneys either stand silent or recommend I-bonds, which means they signed their name and they went out that revolving door right back into the looting. That's unacceptable. How surprising is it that when you encourage crime and don't have any consequences for it, that it continues to happen? It's not surprising at all. So they've got uh, video cameras all over Cook County. They can, uh, they can cross-reference the people that Kim Fox put out on the street with the second riot, and I bet you... There are hundreds of them, if not if not more, that uh, that were released by Kim Fox and her her uh, Soros funded prosecutor's office. I saw some scenes from uh, Lebanon yesterday. They're they're rioting over there and they're demanding the replacement of their government in the aftermath of that giant explosion in the port of Beirut. And it occurred to me while I was looking at those rioting, uh, those scenes of rioting in Lebanon, that I felt bad for them because it looked very much like many American cities. <laughs> so we've reached that point now where we have become the poster boy of civil unrest right here in the United States. And the second half of today's show, we're going to be joined by um, Vince Ellison. He's got a new book on the Iron Triangle, how the Democrats try to divide America every four years using race and what can be done about it. You're definitely going to want to stick around and listen to that. The ACLU is calling for the disbandment of the Department of Homeland Security. 
the ACLU probably done more damage to this country than ISIS. You can make an argument that they've done more damage to this country than Al-Qaeda. They're demanding that federal law enforcement and the Department of Homeland Security be disbanded. We've got primaries coming up today in Minnesota, Connecticut, Georgia, Vermont, and Wisconsin. It'll be interesting to see those results. We've got to run out to a break. Stick with us. We'll be right back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word, delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America First perspective. Well, as the 2020 presidential race heats up, the Democrats are rolling out their tried-and-true playbook of stoking racial resentment among blacks, a key voting block that they rely on to win on national elections. African-American voters consistently go for the Democrats at rates approaching 90%, but it's not enough to have their support. The Democrat parties have to drive them to the polls, and to do that, every four years, like clockwork, they incite racial discord. The problem this year is their candidate, Joe Biden, has a long history of racist attitudes and sentiments, and he continues to make statements that reveal his deep-seated racism. To discuss this, we're joined now by Vince Everett Ellison, author of The Iron Triangle, Inside the Liberal Democrat Plan to Use Race to Divide Christians and America in Their Quest for Power and How We Can Defeat Them. You can find the book now on Amazon and at at Barnes & Noble. Vince, thanks for joining us. Hey, man, I'm very happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, you know, watching the Democrats rally around old Joe Biden, who began his career as kind of a a Dixiecrat light, would be funny if it weren't so destructive to race relations in our country. Tell us about the title of your book, The Iron Triangle, and what does that mean? Well, I was born on a cotton plantation in Haywood County, Tennessee. And my father, my mother was sharecroppers at the time of my birth. But my father, he aspired, and uh, he got involved in the insurance industry, and he prospered there and bought us out of poverty. And uh, I lived a pretty good middle-class life when I was a teenager. And 
went to college, University of Memphis, and um, after that, I started working in the prison system in uh, South Carolina. And this was during the 90s when the Clinton, Joe Biden crime bill was locking up black men. And I thought we had overcome because my life was pretty idyllic in that small town. But then I saw that these young men were going to jail. I mean, astronomical numbers. We had three prisons in South Carolina in the 80s, and it had three prisons for like the last 50, 60 years. But by the end of the 90s, we had 40. And something was happening to the black community that I did not see. And I asked the black intelligentsia what was going on, and they said, oh, it was these rich white Republicans and that, that they hated black people, this and the other. But actually, we, I was seeing the results of what had happened. These were the children of the welfare state. You know, the, when Lyndon Johnson and the Great Society decided to kick the black man out of the house and uh, destroy the black family, and these, these young men were the result of that. But I didn't know that at the time, so I decided to design my post in the prison system and decided to start a nonprofit to try to keep from locking these young men up. And when I got into the black community, I found something pretty interesting. I didn't see any of those rich white Republicans they were talking about. But, uh, you know, I, see, I, saw, I, thought, I would see a unicorn before I saw one. But I did see a lot of black Democrats. And what I saw more than anything was this entity that I call the Iron Triangle. Uh, the black, most black preachers, most black politicians, and most black civic organizers. And they and their job was to, and they were paid contractors, and their job was to make sure that they got the black community to vote 90% for the Democratic Party. That was their job. Point blank period. They, these guys were the, were the conduits between the black community and the white Democrat liberal establishment. And their job was to make sure that black people voted for the Democratic Party. That was it. Now, this was just a variation on the theme from the old plantation house Negro system they had for 220 years. There has never been a time in the history of the United States of America that the white Democrat Party has not had complete and utter control of the black community, from slavery to, to, to the Civil War, through Jim Crow, to, to, to right now. And they've always used paramilitary forces whether it be the, the, the overseer or the Confederacy or the KKK or, and then now Antifa and Black Lives Matter as a hammer to keep black people in line. This is just a variation on the theme. This is what they've been doing for 220 years, and they're not going to change it as long as they get 90% of the black vote. And my book talks about how, we, how I discovered this, uh, the facts that are irrefutable, and how we can change it. You know, I, I think you and I are about the same age. I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, and when I was a young man, there was a, a large black middle class. Uh, they had good schools. They had good businesses. Uh, Sweet Auburn was a prosperous district where, uh, you know, people, uh, uh, you know, uh, went every uh, Sunday to shop and support their community. Uh, white people could go down there. We used to go to the, the old Peacock Club and uh, catch black uh, acts when they came into town and everybody came along or got along pretty fine. But as the, the great society really started kicking in and they started building huge sprawling housing projects across Atlanta and, uh, and, uh, instituting these, uh, welfare programs that punish people economically, if they were in a married family, you saw, you know, firsthand, how the uh, black community sort of unraveled and, uh, and as you say, kept uh, down on the Democrat plantation. And it always occurred to me that all of this cannot possibly be by accident. This is, uh, this is a, 
at the very least a misguided and at, at most a deeply cynical and malevolent um, effort to to keep blacks dependent on um, the Democrat Party so that they can harvest their votes every four years. That's all it is. It's just that simple. It's always been that way. I mean, this is nothing strange to the Democrat Party. I mean, they did it with, sla- with slavery. I mean, what? I mean, you know, these guys that had, a, that had a crazy satanic system down south, beat people, rape people, sold their own children. This is who they were. Uh, Civil War, they killed uh, close to a million Americans in order to keep their black slaves. That was it. They wanted to keep their black slaves alive. And after they lost the war, I mean, they, they, the Jim Crow started. Uh, the KKK, the red shirts, systematic murder, lynching, castration, you name it. They've always been a brutal, dark, relentlessly evil group of people. So it is not strange for them to do exactly what you just said that they do. Keep black people under their control for nothing but absolute power. That's all they've done. They've not changed. This is a variation on the theme. So what happened? They knew there was always this group of black people that wanted to be close to the master and felt inferior to him, and these guys were the leaders of the civil rights movement. It was all about integration to them. They didn't care about what black people had. If they were not close to white folks, they felt inferior, period. So they went through the courts. They did everything they could, got shot by water hoses, bit by dogs, but they were the leaders of the black community, and they told black people that if we integrate forcibly, things will be better. Black people didn't vote on that. This was all done through white liberals who decided for black people what was good for them. And they passed these civil these, these, these lists of civil rights laws that systematically transformed the black community into something that was never supposed to be, dependent upon government. They paid women to kick their husbands out of the house. Lyndon Johnson set it up when he put the man out clause in the welfare bill. It wasn't there before. And he did it because the civil rights community told him to. It is in my book. It shows how the whole thing happened. I was in Atlanta. I was in Atlanta when they began uh, school busing. And I remember very clearly that uh, it was wildly unpopular with everybody, including the blacks. It would take people out of their own neighborhoods and and, um, bus them into each other's neighborhoods as if there was some uh, natural... In, uh, uh, advantage to being able to sit uh, for a black student to be able to sit by a white student. And, uh, and that sort of mindset uh, remains to this day. Um, the, the middle class and upper class blacks in Atlanta, they don't send their kids to the schools in their own neighborhoods any longer. They, they will take them all the way across town uh, to one of the very few white remaining schools and sort of rob their own schools of their uh, intellectual talent and, and their civic involvement. They do not care what black people want. If they did, they change this. They are full speed ahead. When was the last time they changed any one of their policies? What policies are they talking about changing now? Uh, a, um, uh, a study a, came out of the Washington Post um, June 4th of this year. They said there hasn't been any narrowing in the wealth gap between black and white people in America since 1968. Harvard conducted a study that's been cited by the DNC that said that the schools are more segregated now than they were before Brown versus Board of Education. Uh, we destroyed that. They destroyed the black family. We have 10 times more black men in prison. They bought half their children. They sit his own fire, and they say they're proud of what they've done. Joe Biden said he's proud of it. Now, this lends to the question. 
Why do black people stay? Well, there are two reasons for that. One is that the Republican Party and the GOP don't, doesn't show up down there. They made a deal a long time ago. My book talks about the deal they made to stay out of the black community and not even compete in the black community because the black Democrats and them work with each other to get certain things. And if they do what the black Democrats want, they stay out. The black Democrats vote for some of the things they want. Sometimes they stay out. So if you look at the 51 majority of black districts right now, congressional districts, you'll find that the people that are running for Congress in those districts hardly have gas money. But the Democrats that are running there are just raining cash. So these black people have a choice between a liberal and an ultra-liberal. That's it, point blank period. The Republicans do not compete, and if you do not compete, they will not hear you. That's number one. Number two, the Iron Triangle. The black preacher, the black politician, and the black civic organizer are the ones that, that carry a, a, a lot of weight in, in the black community. And, and to a man, almost 95, 90% of them are completely apostate and have sold out to the Democratic Party. So it's hard to break through that noise. And black people are suffering from 220 years of Stockholm Syndrome, where the Democrat Party has beat them into utter submission. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, what's the word, delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Well, you know, the re- one of the set, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say one of the re- reasons the Republicans don't have to go in and compete for these black votes is because, uh, you know, from this, uh, this uh, Voting Rights Act, it allowed uh, southern states to gerrymander all of the blacks into um, one district, which you know, had two effects. One, it divided people along race and uh, polarized the politics. But two, it, uh, it allowed the Democrats to have what you talk about a plantation of voters. All they had to do was go in there every four years, call uh, Republicans racist, find some sort of, um, you know, event to polarize the community and incite them and then turn them out in big numbers. And, and they were just as happy with it as the Republicans because it guaranteed a certain number of seats to them each and every election. Exactly. And the Republicans, you know, they go down, they, they can, then black Republican candidates down there to compete. They won't do that. Um, they decided point. to just leave. They just decided to leave that vote down there. And so because of that, these people have been let destitute. And now, and now the embers of those fires are flying into the white community because now our children are where black children were 25, 30 years ago. You exactly have black and so. white boys that, 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 that are dropping out of high school. The young white girls having children out of, out, out of wedlock. They are completely transforming America and making a dystopia out of it. And now when you see these Black Lives Matter marches, it ain't black people marching. It's young white people marching. They're the ones that are angry at America. Talking about black, black lives matter. <laughs> they now see themselves as victims. And they're, oh, they're, out on the, we- they're out on the street hurling racial slurs at black police officers as if they've totally lost yeah. their mind. You know, one of the, you talked about the policies coming out of the Democrat Party. This defund the police movement is the biggest fraud ever perpetrated on the American people. I was an Atlanta firefighter. For 30 years, and uh, we used to always go to neighborhood meetings to update 
the uh, the neighborhood on you know what was going on. We were there with the police and other city departments. I went to hundreds of those meetings over a hundred uh, over thirty years. I never once saw anybody, especially from the black community, arguing for fewer police in their neighborhoods or for less aggressive policing. They were always arguing to be protected from the criminal elements in their community, and 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 the Democrats are up there arguing exactly the opposite that is going to hurt black and white communities across this nation. Well, this is one of the, one of the uh, 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 dualities that have come out in, in, in this whole process. Well, the only good thing about these riots uh, is that um, every argument against the Second Amendment has been obliterated. Why do I need an AK-47? I think you know now. Why do I need to have 30 clips in, my, in, in the magazine on my Glock? I think you know because you have Democrat mayors that would tell the police to stand down and allow an Antifa Black Lives Matter mob to come in and kick your door in and take everything you got. The very thing that we all thought about theoretically happened to us in real time in the past 30, 40 days. We saw a black crystal knock happen in America where they walked through black communities and burned them down, and the mayors and the local officials told the police to stand down. And George Soros has installed all of these uh, these leftist prosecutors that turn uh, the criminals back out on the street as fast as the police can arrest them. Well, you know, you have this idea in America. America was never meant to be a police state. We were never meant to. Uh, John Adams said that this Constitution is designed for moral and upright people. It's wholly inadequate for any other. And we have lost much of our morality in the inner city. So, and what black people did, when black people started congregating, the white Democrats decided to disarm them. Or the four people that would take their guns away. Now, currently, right now, in real time, they are saying they'll be hunted by the police. And they said they'll be hunted by gangs and criminals in their community. Joe Biden and the Democrats remedy to this. I tell you what you do. Turn your guns over to the very people that you say are hunting. Why don't you just be expeditious and just blow your own brains out? We pay a very grave amount of, 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 of responsibility for our own destruction. Any free man that voluntarily gives up his right to self-defense, and to defend his person, his property, and his family deserves everything that he gets. Doesn't deserve freedom, he that's for sure. He, won't, he doesn't have it. He doesn't deserve it. He's not going to get it. So when black people decided to turn their guns over to the very same government that enslaved them, that was the height of insanity. And now they're seeing what they're getting. Now the police can decide. And the Supreme Court has ruled. It's this great case called Deshaunee versus Winnebago County, where they ruled. That you cannot sue the police for not protecting you. Protection service is a misnomer and a lie. It is not the police's job to protect you. They cannot protect you. This ain't Minority Report with Tom Cruise jumping through the a window because he knows when a crime is going to happen. The Nin- police cannot do it. Ninety percent of the time, the police just show up to take a report. That's what they do. They are uh, they are an enforcement and an apprehension unit. That's what they do well. That's where the money should go. To, 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 to investigate crime and then find a the guy that's committed it. And you got to have your gun and your ability to defend yourself in your home and in your person at all times. And any man that doesn't have enough sense to understand that deserves anything that happens to him. I am always armed. My father was always armed. He had a 4,500 seat of his car and a shotgun in his house. And to this day, he's 78 years old, and nobody's ever accosted him. Nobody's ever broken into his home. Nobody's ever, ever took a dime from it. Likewise, myself, 
I'm not going to give my, the right to defend myself over to another man. I've just become a slave if I do it. And this is why black people at the bottom of every socioeconomic statistic right now in America, they didn't have decided to depend on government and not depend on God. We will not allow our religion to flow into our politics. Matter of fact, they're polar opposite, and that's the problem. We go and we shout and we praise God on Sunday, talking about no weapon form against me shall prosper, and then the next day we march it, no justice, no peace, to talking about white supremacy. It's a double-minded concept. You cannot serve two masters. You will love one and you will hate the other. If we start reading our Bible, in the fourth chapter of Genesis, when you talk about Cain and Abel, when Cain got angry because God rejected his, uh, 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 his sacrifice, but he took Abel, God asked Cain, why are you angry? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you don't do well, sin waits at the door to master you, but you must master it. And then Cain went and talked to his brother and slew him based on envy and jealousy. This is happening in real time. You have people in America that do their best, and they excel and they do well. And then you've got the others that don't do well, and they're angry. And they are angry because they have not been accepted. And, instead, and then they let sin master them. And they go out and they burn and they loot and they try to kill their brothers and sisters. It's the spirit of Cain going through this country, and it lives in the Democrat Party. Envy, jealousy. There's every riot that we've ever had in this country came from that party. Every, the, the, the Civil War came from that party. Slavery, that party. Jim Crow, lynching, all of it from that party. Roe v. Wade, the murder of children from that party. The destruction of the family, uh, uh, trying to uh, 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 take drugs, illegalized drugs from that party. It is the most evil organization existing in the world today. And so, black people are suffering because they decided to side with it as opposed to siding with God. So we're going on four or five generations now that have been brainwashed with these, uh, these great society welfare policies coming out of the Democrat Party. Uh, I'm starting to see a lot of rumblings on the black community uh, to to break away from the Democrats and reward the president for creating a a good economy where they're finally uh, getting jobs, you know, even for the least educated and starting to see rising wages. How do we break this uh, this hold, this mindset that the Democrats have captured uh, the the large portion of the black community? First, I challenge your listeners to go to uh, Amazon.com. Look up Iron Triangle Amazon. Look at my book and look at the um, reviews on it. I have five stars, almost 100 reviews right now. And this book is changing the way people see black history and the history of America. First thing we got to do is understand this. Government is not going to solve this problem. This is a spiritual problem. We fight not against flesh and blood. We fight against something else here. The GOP will not go into the black community. We've asked them to for the last 30 years. And the, and, and the Democrats are not going to change the thing as long as they're getting 90% of the black vote. We can all agree on that. So why is this happening? God has given us, his Christian family, a great commission. It is not a suggestion. It is an order. It is an order. Before he went to heaven, he said, I want you to be witnesses for me in both Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. But he said, first start in Jerusalem, start home, and spread from there. 
we Christians here in America are going all over the world preaching, preaching Jesus Christ. And right here in America, we are failing. We are going to South America. We are going into Africa. We are going into Asia. And right across the street in the city where we live, there are black Christians that are being destroyed by an anti-Christian element. There's a black genocide going on right in front of our eyes. 80% of these people say that, 85% say that they're Christian, and we sat back and we watched it happen in real time. We see black children getting shot in the street. We see black children going to schools where you know they won't be educated. We see crime. We see victimization. We see utter destruction. And we step back and shake our heads and mm, mm, mm. And our houses are left unto us desolate because we will not do what Jesus ordered us to do, and that is go and sharpen them. Brothers sharpen brothers. Iron sharpens iron. We are obligated to go get them. This book tells you how to do it. We're waiting for the GOP to do it. They're not going to. It's not their job. We're waiting for government to do it. They're not supposed to. It is not their job. This job has been given to us, or it will not be done. You know, one of the big obstacles you have in, in the prescription you prescribe there is the black church has been so politicized. It hurt my heart last week to see Barack Obama stand in the pulpit of Ebenezer Baptist Church where uh, Dr. King preached and turn John Lewis's funeral into a political rally and tell blatant transparent lies right from that pulpit when he said that uh, federal officers were attacking peaceful protesters. But, you know, that's that's part of a larger symptom. Black churches have but been... Martin Luther King, but, Martin, but Martin Luther King Jr. was the first one to politicize. He was the one that walked that went and gave that speech. And I have this in my book, that I, that I have a dream speech. And this is and this is re, reframing the whole movement now. Right now, if you go and read that, I have a dream speech, and you read it properly... King said, uh, and I was wondering in, in 2017, I went to the Rain Motel, you know, and, 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 and wanted to visit it. That's why King got shot. And uh, uh, they were looping this. I have a dream speech. And I was wondering why Kaepernick and all these guys were kneeling during this time. So what's wrong with these guys? I mean, they, they're young, they're handsome, they're Superman, they're rich. What are they angry about in America? And I heard King say something in I have a dream speech. And I said, there it is. He said, 100 years after the Emancipation Proclamation, the Negro is still not free. That was a bald-faced lie. According to John Locke in the Second Treaties of Government and Thomas Jefferson and the Declaration of Independence, I was born free. My freedom was given me by God. According to Locke, it is irrevocable, non-transferable, and it is unsellable. And King told the whole world and told a generation of people that we were still slaves, and that was not true. He said, we come to government for our unalienable rights. That is not true. Our unable rights come from God. They, 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 they include the right to defend yourself, the right to own property, to freedom of religion, freedom of speech. They are irrevocable, non-transferable, unsellable. He said in that speech we were exiled, we were despised, that we were hated. The, all the black, and, then, and then when they asked, he said, they asked, when will we be satisfied? He said, we will not be satisfied until justice rolls down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. It was a fancy way of saying never. That speech led us on a primrose path to tell us that whatever you need, you go to government. You do not go to God. And after 1960, before 1940 and 1960, black people were outpacing white Americans and everybody else when it comes to education and income in America. And during the civil rights movement, after it, we flatlined. And every other race, they failed, and we stayed exactly where we were. 
They turned us over to the government, and it came through the church, and it came through the civil rights movement, and King was the was the was the was the tip of the spear. I think a lot he of it's come through entertainment as well. I think uh, I think the lyrics you hear in rap music and the whole degenerate culture that the broader degenerate culture, but also in the black but community. King was the one that bought all of them. He bought all of them in the civil rights movement. Any type of degenerate. Uh, 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 the feminists, the gay community, the Marxists, the communists. Uh, the John F. Kennedy told King in the Rose Garden before the March on Washington, look, you got communists in the civil rights movement. You got to get them out. King denied it and would never kick them out. He knew they were in there. And these people destroyed, they, these people infiltrated the black church and made it an apostate church in, in most areas. They brought it in. Look, a tree is known by the fruit it bears, right? Right. They told Jesus said to the disciples, though, many will come in my name, do great works and great wonders, but they are wolves in sheep's clothing. They are so good, they are fools of very elect. And the disciples said, Lord, how will we know them? He said, by their fruits. He didn't say by their works. He didn't say by what they say, even by what they do, by what they produce. Look at what they produce. Now, if you come to the conclusion, he said, you will not get good fruit from a rotten tree, a rotten fruit from a good tree. Each tree and each fruit will be of its like kind. If you have to conclude that the black community in many ways is rotten now, the tree that it came from has to be rotten. Ergo, the civil rights movement was a letdown, and the people that left down, the people that did it were a letdown. It was a garbage in, garbage out movement. And we have to sit down and come to the conclusion that, that where this movement did not do what it was supposed to do. What did it accomplish? You name me one thing. All I can see is a de- degeneration of the black community. You can go back and look at uh, old photographs before the civil rights movement, and you can tell by looking that the the black community was more morally upstanding, more prosperous, more self-sufficient, more... We've gone backwards. Exactly. Exactly. We've gone backwards. So why do we keep holding these people up in such high regard? You got when me, you brother. you had 220, zero and 11 seasons from the football coach. We hold them up because this is exactly what the Democrat Party wants. They want it. If you're looking at your ledger, and your ledger is about profits, right? You don't care how we get it. You don't care about customer service. If it's if good customer service gets you profit, bad customer service get me profit. Working the people hard to be a nice to them get me profit. I want my ledger to say profit. When you're dealing in politics, the ledger says one thing: votes. I don't care how you get them. If making if if the black if the black caucus had a choice to make black people the richest, most highly upstanding moral people in America and lose their power or keep us exactly where we are and keep their power, I can guarantee you they choose to keep their power. I think that's exactly what they're doing, Vince. I think that's exactly what they're doing. So as long as they keep 90% of the vote and keep their congressional seats, they're not going to change the thing. Vince Everett Ellison, author of The Iron Triangle, Inside Liberal Democrat Plan to Use Race to Divide Christians and America in their quest for power, and how we can defeat them. You can get the book now on Amazon and on Barnes & Noble. Vince, thanks so much for joining us. I hope you'll come back again sometime. I will. Thank you very much. They go on my website, irontranglebook.com. irontranglebook.com, irontranglebook.com. That takes us to the end. Join us again tomorrow right here on Mojo 5.0 Radio. We'll talk to you then. 
I've been working at Santa's workshop for a long time and thought I'd seen it all. That was until I learned that when you add Xfinity Mobile to Xfinity Internet, you can save hundreds on your wireless bill. When you add Xfinity Mobile to Xfinity Internet, you can get a powerful Internet experience and nationwide coverage on the most reliable network. Choose the data option that's right for you. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Mobile requires Xfinity Internet. Based on root metrics by IHS Markets Root Score reports 2H 2020 of four mobile networks. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details.